0: He was old. No, not very old. Kind of a baby. Kind of a Died, kind of a babe. Mm. <laughs> not re- not really a babe. <laughs> he
1: looks like one of the guys. Was it from Metalocalypse? Yes. Yeah, I got okay. a
2: section in there on that. Okay. Well, I didn't know where to put it, so it's at the very end. He but was photogenic sometimes, and then other times he wasn't, and he didn't. He wasn't aging well.
0: Are you calling him ugly?
2: No, I'm just well, saying like drugs, when right? you when you when you look at him, sometimes he looks like kind of badass and all buff and shit. And then you get a weird angle on him. He's got like a weird eyebrow, like brow right there. And I don't <laughs> the know, eyebrow that yeah. comb over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made I made that connection when I first saw pictures of him. I had seen him before and completely forgot about it. I'm like, wait a second.
1: But that's not the same guy, like, right?
2: He looks like Metalocalypse. Well, he's no, it's they're, based. They're based on. Yeah. Oh, so they, the, based the lead singer is based off of Peter Steele. Yeah and corpse grinder <laughs> hello everybody and welcome to death by music podcast the show where we consume information from the internet and regurgitate it into your brains via your ear holes <laughs> i am jake as always and i'm here with cassie and alex and today we are talking about peter Steele of uh, carnivore typo negative yeah and i forgot the other band his first band before carnivore yeah whatever we'll tell you about it something
0: that had a name my main source for this episode was the book soul on fire the life and music of peter Steele" by jeff wagner that's where the bulk of this information came from there's no fucking info on this dude on the internet unless it came from this guy because every website i looked at yeah every website i looked at had the copy and pasted uh wikipedia bio mm-hmm. so fuck Nobody that else knew. so i bought the book <laughs> it was 20 dollars, and y'all owe me now buy a t-shirt please thank you <laughs> and we, we had some other sources then.
1: yeah obviously wikipedia um yeah. loudwire.com we had metal injection.net Ooh. Okay. um we used rock and roll true stories youtube channel and the MTV Super Rock interview with Julia Vallee. I did put in a trigger warning because I got about halfway through and I was like, so there is um, grotesque lyrics, (laughs) obviously, and um, there is mentions of self-harm. So if this is triggering for you, please beware that it is coming up and um, I was not warned. So
0: Oh, well, sorry. It's fine. Okay. First of all, I was pissed off with this entire thing, like I said, about that book. I spent an hour trying to download this motherfucking book, Soul on Fire, and instead of just putting it on Amazon and syncing it with the Kindle Cloud Reader, Mm -hmm. I had to download a .mobi file. What the fuck is that? And then try to send it through email to Kindle, but I don't have a Kindle. I use a web viewer and everything is all fucked up, so I had to download a third-party program to rig this fucking book into opening. I probably got some viruses, but hey... I took one for the team.
2: Sure. Back in my day, <laughs> books were printed on paper and bound Ew. together with glue and twine and sandwiched between two pieces of dead cow. <laughs> yeah, I think they're trying to prevent you from uh, learning so you can't be a free thinker.
1: You sounded wow. like the country bears.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I try.
1: That was Our, a really good impression. There was a, like a, a PBS show back when i was a child named pappy drew it and he would draw things kind of like bob ross but for children and he wasn't that good um but that's (laughs) what also you sounded like
0: (laughs) wow that's you're welcome okay so right off the bat i want to go ahead and say that um support for the book that i used it was kind of like Uh, sketchy type O members didn't want to talk on record and eventually peter's family decided to no longer support the book either although initially people were contributing to it and doing voluntary interviews why do you think they stopped i don't know i think they thought they said too much maybe because the book was really good it was like actually a very fruitful resource but um once it was about to come out, the people, everybody was like, oh, you know, we shouldn't have said that. Oh. So, whatever. Mm. That being said, mm. the trustworthy people of Reddit said that nothing <laughs> seemed too far off from the details of Peter's life that they already knew. So, while this book might be exaggerating or off in some places, the larger part of the story is likely true. Right, because
1: like we said, there was not information whatsoever on the internet.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay goth girls and guys you'll need to have a couple of fresh pairs of shorts or
2: busy pants
0: <laughs> for this episode because today we are covering goth metal playgirl centerfold peter Steele.
2: Mm.
1: i guess there was a reason i hadn't heard of him until now you, jake's mm is creepy <laughs> you're, you're not
2: very
0: goth uh, uh thank you <laughs> six feet eight inches tall yes with long, flowing black hair.
2: Keep going.
0: And giant muscles. Oh,
2: yeah. He
0: was the front man for Type O Negative, a.k.a. the Drab Four, and also created bands Fallout and Carnivore. Imagine a giant, baby vampire.
2: Oh, I certainly will.
0: Now that we
1: know what Jake's type is,
0: <laughs> we can
2: continue. Type
0: O Negative. Uh, on January 4th, 1962, Peter was born Petrus. Thomas Ratajic in Red Hook, Brooklyn, <laughs> to a Polish-Russian father and a Scotch-Irish-Norwegian mother.
2: Yes, uh, it is Ratajczyk or Ratajczyk, I guess, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, It is a Polish name, and all I could find on it is that it means farmer or plowman. Plowman. Yeah, he's definitely doing some plowing.
0: Accurate. Yes, I guess this explains how um, he got to be so huge, though, all those genes. Uh, Some places say that Peter was Icelandic. But that's been proven untrue. He was just obsessed with the country. Okay. So we
1: know that there are weirder obsessions. The internet exists. People are obsessed. But what about Iceland? Vikings. Oh, is yeah, that Yeah. I
2: is? think it was, it was like European culture. And okay. Because like the only like thing that. I know about
1: Iceland is from the Mighty Ducks, where they're like, Iceland is full of green and Greenland's full of ice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, but I
0: think it was the whole like, just I'm Vikings. a big, strong man and I am a Viking and okay. I am big. That's, I think that's what they were. chest. (laughs) Yeah, he was obsessed with the country. Anyways, uh, Peter's father was a swimmer and also apt at baseball and worked at a shipyard as an engineer and eventually a boss. So he was like in charge of everybody at the shipyard. Red Hook was named one of the worst neighborhoods in 1990 by Life Magazine, like in America. Um, So it's probably good (laughs) he was huge too, so he could defend himself.
2: Yeah, look it up. Uh, look up Red Hook on a map. Uh, what's crazy to me is that he could literally just walk a couple blocks and see the Statue of Liberty. Like it was, it's like we're almost right next to it.
0: <sighs> I can't imagine growing up in that area. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, Peter's family was Catholic, and uh, his father fought in World War II. Oh. Peter was the youngest of six, the only boy.
2: That's pretty tame for Catholic family uh, back then. I know one that had ten kids. Gross. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, so he was one of six. He had five older sisters. Peter was a surprise child, and everyone thought for sure he'd be another girl. But their doctor predicted otherwise. He was a big old boy at birth, allegedly 24 inches and 10 pounds. That's a big bitch. Uh, His father also named Peter, and his mother, Nettie, would gather around, and they would sing on weekends with the family, a la... uh, Beach Boys or um, the Von Traps, the Von Traps or the Beach Boys <laughs> who would just sit around and sing with their families. Um, nearly everyone was chiming in on piano, harmonica, tambourine, guitar, you know, like whatever they could pick up. Peter's younger, his youngest sister recalled that since they were in a tough part of town and everyone was working so hard all week, they'd all just play music at home on the weekends. Nobody was professional. Um, but they could all just like play anything. They, they'd all play something. So this left a huge impression on Peter. According to one sister, he was playing records, like actually putting records onto the turntable mm. at two years old. I'm glad you elaborated. Cause
1: I said, I didn't know those were an, <laughs> an instrument. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> and then I said, I guess he wanted to
1: be a DJ. Yeah, no, he was
0: actually like, I want to play this record. Goo, goo, ga, ga. And like put that shit on. I don't
1: remember anything I did when I was two.
0: Nope.
2: <laughs>
1: i don't think you're supposed to <laughs> no. they're like black that out you don't need to know
0: Ooh. <laughs> interestingly peter's father would sing sailor shanties to get him to sleep as a child um, the dark subject matter of those songs seems to have had a lasting effect on peter
2: that's weird to me i always focus on the overall sound of the music first lyrics and subject matter are always the last thing if i decide to bother looking it up and you yeah know, because it's hard to decipher, to decipher. It. Yeah. yeah it's
1: it's too noisy they're screaming most shanties? of the time shanties not shanties but metal well
2: this is any music this like this not could, metal it We're could literally be just a song with a vocalist and no instrumentals and i still won't listen to the lyrics i'll listen to the sound of the song
1: huh i wonder how many weird songs you've listened to because you like the beat and then the lyrics are just like that's why he likes yeah.
0: That's why he likes Ramstein.
2: Well, I no, I got a I, thing. I always
0: that. listen to the lyrics, so it's it's kind of bizarre to me that he was like a two year old baby, and his dad was singing him sea shanties of like yeah. sailors dying as well, a bedtime lullaby. Yeah, that's they're basically
2: up. stories. They're just sung stories. They're
0: just dark. It's dark. Yeah. Uh yeah, but we'll get to Peter's songwriting with typo negative later on. The family dynamic was really interesting. Peter bonded hardcore with his dad, being the only son, and he he developed all of his manliness like working on cars and engines. It jake. It jake.
2: Oh, yeah. He was a <laughs> bit of a gearhead. Uh he had a nineteen eighty five Grand Prix that he was known for. It very Mad Max looking. Uh it was lifted, had big yellow steel wheels on it, mud tires, spray painted black, uh caution stripes on it at one point, uh big chunky bumpers. He took the he took all the chrome off and like replaced the bumpers with like big ass chunks of wood. Uh and he put a huh. bunch of lights on it and he had lights on the back of his car apparently to where if you dared to come up behind him with your high your high beams on, he He'd would blind, just flash you? the shit out of you. Nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> love him. I yeah. love him already. But his bumpers were wood.
2: Yeah, they were just like big two by eight chunks of wood. Two
0: by eight. Wow. Okay. If
2: I'm remembering dimensions right. When I was in high school,
0: the Jeep that I
1: had had a broken windshield wiper on the back of it. So instead of shooting the window cleaner onto the window, it would just shoot straight out. And anytime that somebody was like a dick behind me, I would just spray them. But then if I was like leaving school and like a friend of mine was behind me, I would spray them too. And I was always out of wiper fluid. Friends, friends, enemies. Friends, enemies. Nobody was
0: safe. (laughs) so peter Steele had his five sisters and his mother that he adored so while he learned all of the like manly bullshit from his dad he also learned how to love women and dote on them uh his teachers at the catholic school all loved him they said that because he was raised around women he was naturally very flirtatious and charming uh and here's a hilarious story from the book he would run to the store for his mom. He would pick up chicken breasts for her, but he would say chicken chests because he couldn't bring himself to say chicken titties. You know, like he so couldn't, cute. He could, just couldn't I don't think
2: talk I've ever it. gone to the grocery store and asked for chicken titties.
0: Chicken chests. Uh, so Peter also collected rocks, fossils, records, and coins.
2: Yeah, what a fucking nerd. I collected rocks and fossils and coins too.
0: Yeah, you fucking nerd. I tried to eat a rock once. Wait, how did that
1: work out for you? <laughs> it was one of those that like... Crumbled? Uh,
2: so like, sand? No, it wasn't sand.
1: <laughs> What's the type of rock that is like... A
2: limestone? Why?
1: I don't know what how old I was. What the wrong with you? Um, my sister caught me and then was like, there's ants on those, so I threw it across the yard and was like, ew. But like, yeah. I tried.
0: <laughs> okay, well, you know, more power to you. Luckily you changed your ways. Mm-hmm. Peter learned to draw and fix things. His sister's started becoming interested in rock music. They introduced him to Iron Butterfly. They do In the God of the And, uh, and uh, Cream, which is fucking badass And MC5. Finally, he was introduced to Black Sabbath. And when Peter heard the opening to Iron Man, he lost a shit and his life was changed.
2: That's a badass song. It's really interesting to try and place yourself in that era and imagine how different an out there group like black sabbath were and how nothing else had that kind of sound it was brand new then
0: yeah so that's pretty awesome. really cool so at this time peter was growing nonstop. he was pretty uncomfortable with his height and he was also diagnosed with flat feet which required him to wear like leg braces
1: insert forrest gump reference here what's the <laughs> reference um i was waiting <laughs> until you finished with the rest of it because there there was more okay
0: So he became really self-conscious over the whole ordeal and became a target for bullying. This caused him to withdraw and become very introverted.
2: Uh, I can relate. I've never had to wear a brace like that, but being bullied or teased for things is the bane of any introvert.
0: He liked playing sports, but he had to stop because of the braces, unfortunately. So by the time they came off at age 10, he was too far removed to jump back into sports again. So he, he basically dove into music and learning. Steel.
2: You mean Ratajk?
0: Yes, Radichick. First picked up guitar. Was it a steel guitar? I do not know. Um, (laughs) Taking (laughs) lessons at 12 years old, but he quickly switched over to bass. Peter was in lessons for a bit, but he liked to do things his own way. So he had also become friends with a kid named Josh Silver, who had a lot of similar interests. They first performed in church. They'd practice on Wednesdays, but then on Sunday, Peter would... Instigate Josh to play like Black Sabbath during Mass, which is pretty fucking metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonder if the churches recognized what they were doing.
2: Uh, I bet none of them had a clue, but that is awesome. It reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons where Bart swaps the opening hymn at church with In the Garden of Eden by Iron Butterfly. That I was, was just an talking awesome about Iron episode. butterfly yeah, that's why I put that in there. It reminded me of it.
0: So Josh was learning piano, they started to pick up a bunch of cover songs from Deep Purple to Kiss to The Beatles. Peter was a lefty by nature, and he played a left-handed rhythm guitar in one of his first bands called Aggression, but they said that they would kick him out unless he learned bass, so he did. Left-handed bass was a little expensive, so he bought a right-handed bass and just adjusted after that. Peter later said that, uh, that's the only thing I do right-handed.
2: Yeah, like he didn't try and get some strange every now and then.
0: I don't know what that means.
2: Don't worry about it.
0: Okay. Now, these guys had some actually good names for their first band, though. It changed frequently. Aggression, Hot Ice, Children of the Grave. These were all names that they changed more often than underwear, according to Josh. Okay. Mind you, they're in fourth fucking grade. Those are
2: some metal names.
1: (laughs) I mean, wouldn't Hot Ice just be water?
2: Yes. I imagine it'd be like putting Icy Hot on your taint.
1: Um,
0: Okay, so they was...
1: (laughs) I don't remember that when I wrote over this. I think I just skipped over Jake saying that. Oh,
0: my God. They would slap up posters everywhere like they were rock stars. They're fourth graders. They're like promoting all their shows. (laughs) And uh, eventually, they found a couple of kids that were also super serious about music. John Campos and Dennis Rizzo. Who Dennis already had a drum kit, which is like a step ahead of the game at this yeah. in fourth grade. So, this group became known as Northern Lights.
2: Not so metal, but okay.
0: Nope. The name sounds like an early
1: 2006 emo alternative project with like one guy in his GarageBand software that had a MySpace music page, and we're all on like a small stage at Warped Tour.
0: Oddly specific. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Peter was super smart. He was quiet, reserved, hardworking, and humble. He got his first job. Uh, Busting ass at a machine shop, making things out of iron.
2: That's metal as fuck.
0: Literally. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is. It's so fucking perfect. As a senior in high school, his band was evolving. They were playing covers, but once Peter started writing his own music, his creativity had the chance to flourish. The band was doing pretty well. They were getting gigs at bars and clubs and parties, but they wanted so much more. And I'm going to compare Peter Steele here to Freddie Mercury in that he had a particular artistic vision of what he wanted. Very specific, he was not going to settle for less. So he had the sound, the look, the whole vibe of what he was going for figured out. And when Northern Lights started playing original material, they changed their name to Fallout. It definitely fit their aesthetic more.
1: Meanwhile, Fallout Boy exists, and they're not very metal. Whatsoever. No, no, they kind <laughs> uh, of suck.
0: Um, it was an interesting style, though. It, they called it goth before goth rock was even a thing. Fallout sounded basically kind of like pop, but the lyrics were covering some pretty dark and apocalyptic themes. At this point, Dennis Rizzo felt like the group was really like not going anywhere. They were just playing locally. Uh, he wanted them to be a wedding band. <laughs> Which is kind of weird, so they could actually make some money, but the others were pretty much set on hitting it big. So Rizzo dropped out, and then they got a guy named Louis Beto to play the drums.
2: Was Beto his drummer name? You know, because he played drums.
0: No, that's his actual name. I looked it up. Oh, okay. I looked it up because I was like... Did they
2: call him... Lou Beto?
0: No. Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I quit. This um, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you just imagine? Do you think he started playing drums because his name was Beto? I don't know. But he had already been in some bands before. He fit in with this group perfectly. So um then a guy named Richard Termini was the first to record Peter and Fallout. He loved the group. He saw lots of potential in them. Their material was never released to the public, but their shows were pretty interesting.
2: Uh, You can surprisingly find some of those recordings on YouTube if you're interested.
0: Yeah, like the plasmatics, there was always destruction at Fallout shows. Oh, so
1: they were also smashing up TVs and Cadillacs. No, they were smashing
0: (laughs) other shit. But they gave the illusion. (laughs) They were smashing perfectly good equipment although it was actually some busted up shit that they got from a friend they had like a friend who worked at a music store and anytime that something would come in like as a trade and it was shit yeah the friend would give them the keyboard or whatever that wasn't really working and then they would smash it on stage so it looked like they had all this expensive equipment and then it would just like destroy it yeah so everyone's like oh my god they're rich it's crazy (laughs) yeah Um, Peter was 18 years old at the time, and he started to cultivate his own onstage image of being a fucking giant god. Oh. Um, Fallout did end up opening for Twisted Sister a few times, but they failed to get a record deal, and they had to record their own music. They paid for their own, like, record. They weren't going to take it. No.
2: (laughs) I see what you did there.
0: Oh.
1: Take no they're not gonna take it in 1981
0: <laughs> they pressed 500 copies of their single batteries not included many of the copies were simply given away whereas now they could fetch up to 900 dollars on ebay oh. wow enter babes as i said peter was around 18 years old at the time and a 14 year old marty shiken saw him on a train she couldn't stop staring at him and then at a show her friend marlene this bitch she was (laughs) like i'm dating a guy in fallout and marty was like oh really who and she pointed to peter and so um she was full of shit basically peter recognized marty from staring at him on the train and peter was like hey yo bitch
1: so that's just such a strange lie, because first of all, if they were friends and they were at the show together, like wouldn't they have been another place in the venue than just staring at them like backstage, side stage, something. But also, if they were actually friends, wouldn't she have said something before this concert? Like, hey, my boyfriend's
0: in this band. We're about to
1: go see or something.
0: Right. But they're not even dating. She doesn't right. even know but, Like that's such a
1: weird <laughs> lie. Why would you make that up?
0: Um, just People a fle- weird. Weird, weird flex, but okay. Yeah. She was like, oh, yeah, I'm dating him. And then he's like, who are you? <laughs> That's basically what happened. So apparently um, Marty and Peter lost their virginity to each other. Hooray. I just had sex, and, it, and feels it feels so good. <laughs> um, so she remembers Peter being wholly committed to whomever he was with but he did become disappointed with people very quickly.
2: Yeah, me too. People suck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you suck. <laughs> By the end of 1981, lacking a record deal and trying to go in different musical directions, Fallout broke up. Peter was adamant about having something to fall back on. His <laughs> father His father was very much like work for your living so he he yeah. was very much like I have to have something to fall back on so he continued working at the metal place and then he got his associates with a 3.8 GPA he did better than me very nice yeah. so the next project was disciple and Peter tried really hard to not be the singer for that one because he was so shy. He did not like to be the center of attention. He just wanted to write lyrics and music because nobody else would sing. Uh, So he ended up having to nut up and do it himself. Hmm, He could not find anybody. Initially, the band would collaborate on songwriting, but Peter's ideas were so detailed and thought out that they just let him take control of all of it. Drums, guitar, lyrics, arrangement, attitude. And um, just like, with Grateful Dead, a.k.a. Warlock, Still their like... name Disciple was already being used by another band, so they had to come up with a different name. Suggested names included Obesity <sighs> and Carnivore, I'm... The, the latter one.
1: That would have been pretty problematic to continue with. Obesity? That's so stupid.
0: (laughs) Why? All of
1: them are like real thin and just like, (laughs) it's irony. It's great. No. No,
0: they just love pissing people off. That's stupid. Pretty
1: much. Well, I'm mad.
0: (laughs) So they came up with the image for carnivore. It was post-apocalyptic cannibals after World War III in search of human meat and babes. Okay. Um, Here's a section from the book soul on fire talking about pete's lyrics at the time remember when i said that there was questionable lyrics and content before here's where they probably are quote it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine the boys in future death metal legends carcass and cannibal corpse listening to carnivore and poring over peter's lyrics such as this ensanguine verse from predator broken splintered bones boiling blood torn and bleeding skin Blackened, burning flesh, melting fat, amputated limbs, eviscerated, lungs torn out, heart ripped from the chest, decapitated, a male of vagina and breasts. Oh, he can say breasts <laughs> then, not not chicken titties. Not talking about chicken titties. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's
2: two totally different things.
0: <laughs> this creative awfulness came complete with humor, Peter rolling his R's when delivering the word breasts. I can't do that or else breasts. I won't. Breasts. Wow. wow I didn't know you could do that.
2: It's all the Ramstein I listened to.
0: Okay. <laughs> it was absurdity, horror, comedy, and escapism fused as one and delivered with the pulsating power of Carnivore's super heavy brand of doom laced thrash metal. Not my cup of tea. My cup of tea. Finally, <laughs> Carnivore had their first performance on june sixth, nineteen eighty three. Beforehand he had broken up with Marty. She started smoking pat. Okay. And Peter Peter was very much against drugs and he was like if you're smoking weed you're cheating on me
1: what is the actual thought process behind that though because like weed is not a living human I am so maybe he was just over her relationship in general and was like I'm gonna just blame it on this and then that's my easy out but like what what in
0: the world allegedly he was like he was so straight edge at that point he was like oh if you're giving your time to a substance then you're taking time away from me and you're a fucking cheater so he broke up with her that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard (laughs) okay love you (laughs) love you too
1: (laughs) I don't I know you don't actually mean it
0: (laughs) so just before their show Peter had a bandmate's mom hand him a razor blade and he slashed up his arms apparently to combat his performance anxiety after not being on stage for two years and this was normal for him
1: what is unbelievably crazy is the statement that somebody's mom gave it to him yeah he was like did she not know what it was for did she just oh and maybe he had some stubble he wanted to get off his like it was just the blade it wasn't even like an actual razor right
0: so the way that the book put it was he he said I think it was like Josh's mom or something he was like hey Josh's mom could you hand me that rusty razor blade over there and she was like it uh. was rusty sure Somebody get a tetanus that was shot. literally a quote in the book can you hand me that rusty razor blade and just cut himself on the arms and was like bleeding and was like all right I'm ready to go let's fucking do this thing Never in my life.
2: I don't know. <laughs> I, it, you know, early 80s, I don't know if people were really aware of what that was all about or that it was a thing. So
0: Yeah, apparently that was like normal for him. He he was so anxious that bl- blood was a huge thing for him, which is right. why Type O Negative even became their band name, which we'll get to. But he was very much into self-harm, not necessarily because he wanted to kill himself, but because it helped him detract like attention from what was going on like he could just focus on his pain or whatever um anyway so the night before peter turned 22 he met donna white at college they made eye contact and donna says she instantly fell in love what the fuck
1: hyperbole because that's literally impossible that's just lust
0: yeah yeah (sighs) yeah, yeah. so he bought her a drink and then he took her home and then they ended up sitting in the car with her um you know he was sitting in the car with her talking for hours And then, much like with Marty, they were inseparable after. So they'd take trips up to the woods, and they would go pumpkin picking and then hang out with Peter's cats. That's another Freddy parallel, the cats. Yeah, it's so so, um, disgustingly
1: stereotypical. Can we also just talk about the fact that Jake put this giant smiley emoticon (laughs) (laughs) like it's a freaking aim chat? (laughs) <laughs> it's just the big colon With the This is big, a big colon With the big D <laughs> Big colon and a big D uh. Like a smiley face <laughs> to the side With the mouth open okay. That's what So did.
0: two years After the formation of Carnivore They decided to finally record Some music wow. Some songs up, up to 10 and 11 minutes long Which was very rare at the time Even for metal bands
2: Yeah they weren't uh, too interested In radio singles
0: Yeah, they developed their image and um, barbarian costumes and adopted some stage names. Peter Rat... Peter Ratajik became Lord Petrus T. Steele. Carnivore won a Battle of the Bands contest and got to open for bands like Raven, Anvil, and Slayer. That's so Raven. Oh my God. I hate (laughs) you. Thanks. Um, Peter married Donna on halloween of 1984 obviously with uh black and orange roses no word on whether they dressed as vampires (coughs) jake
1: i'm sorry was jake's wedding on halloween and did they dress like vampires is there still things i need to learn what's what's going on
2: i'm pleading the fifth
1: (gasps) you were dressed like a vampire oh my god
2: I'm glad that's so entertaining. Are there
1: photos? (laughs) Where are they? They're probably on MySpace. Oh my gosh. Jacob. (coughs) (coughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry for laughing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's (laughs) go. They went home and then they watched horror movies on their honeymoon. Did
1: you do that too?
0: It's almost laughable how fucking goth this dude is. It's not a
1: phase mom. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I- <laughs> do, do you see the, you
1: did you print it off before you put a meme in here it's jacob wants to be brutal but his mother won't let him it's this goth dude watering some plants <laughs> and his name is jacob is that you wait is this is you no oh, okay
0: no. <laughs> oh my god she was not
1: joking She's no, seriously she asking if that's you i mean that one car meme that you had said and then i just thought it was a random child but it ended up being jake so if you're making yourself into memes
0: (laughs) so they were in the right scene at the right time and other local bands like anthrax and overkill were getting record deals eventually king motherfucking diamond himself gave roadrunner the go-ahead to sign carnival what what did you just say? I said, who
1: that? You don't know who King oh Diamond is? God. I Googled it. So I know now, but I was like, this
0: might need context. Give him, give him the scoop. You're done. Um, <laughs> eventually, King Diamond himself. King Diamond is, I don't know, a god Oh, in metal music. He is the singer for Merciful Fate, which is like an incredible metal band. Um, he gave Roadrunner the go-ahead to sign Carnivore. After his band, Merciful Fate, broke up. Apparently, nobody at the label actually knew what the fuck was good and what wasn't. So they were like, hey, King Diamond, you're on our label. Like, You'll tell us what's good and what's not. And he was like, yeah, they're good. So they signed him.
2: I was going to try and sing in falsetto, but I'll spare everybody the uh, (laughs) torture. (laughs) yeah i can't do it
1: at least they were smart about using his judgment but if you're gonna market yourself as a hard rock and metal label you should probably also have the chops and knowledge to back that up
0: you know you would think but they Mm. just were like hey we got this guy he'll know he'll tell us what's good he did so the album carnivore was released in november of 1985 see the song male supremacy what could possibly be the first goth metal song ever now like we mentioned peter was kind of a perfectionist and their current guitarist Bonano, made mistakes while playing live how dare you so he ended up getting booted because he couldn't follow the rules of peter's vision on halloween of 1985 peter and donna had a public wedding ceremony and mosh pit uh at their wedding in a basement of their apartment building they did dress up this time as Grim Reapers. The DJ was a vampire. <laughs> Initially, Peter was going to convert to Judaism, but he was already kind of fucked up from Catholic school, so he decided not to have anything to do with religion. Good was, choice. Was Donna Jewish? Yeah. Oh. Wait. Uh, yeah, he was Catholic. She was Jewish. And so he was going to do the pre cana classes to, like, become her religion. Peter eventually wrote a song called Angry Neurotic Catholics, That was about getting caught jerking chicken in a Catholic school bathroom.
2: I never got caught.
0: Did you? They also (laughs) had some songs like Suck My Dick that combine hardcore punk (laughs) and doom metal elements. Uh, It's pretty rad. Uh,
2: I thought Jack Daniels and Pizza was a fun one. Uh, I liked Carnivore. I didn't bother looking up lyrics, but I like how direct the Angry Neurotic Catholics title was. It would have been cool to see more work from them.
0: So I I started listening to the music and I... it was so far from the typo negative stuff.
2: It's completely different. It's
0: completely different. It's Although, like it's like thrashy punk and the typo negative stuff. Cassie was like, "Ew, this sounds like a Halloween vampire soundtrack." <laughs> <laughs> like I also, the monster mash is gonna come on next, and I was like, "Yeah, that's probably true."
1: <laughs> literally, what I said. Thank you, thank you for direct quoting me because I was like, I also don't like the fact that I can hear the back of his throat, like the noises. Mm
2: -hmm. like a vampire
0: stuff was pretty sick and i was listening to it i was like i love this and then once i got into the part where he might be like a nazi i was like oh i should turn this off but we'll get there there. yeah (laughs) so now both marty his first girlfriend and donna his wife are report they reported hearing peter talk about suicide often but there was almost no evidence like actual evidence to this they think that he was all talk that he was just angry and desperate and depressed he once said to donna i thought the world was going to be completely different i find it very difficult to live in the world the way that it is um and we should also talk about some issues with peter's political views here this is where i was like maybe i shouldn't listen to carnivore um he was asked to help the band agnostic front write a song he asked what it should be about so he came up with the song, Public Assistance, which was basically shitting on poor people for using government assistance. Oh, he sounds like a real winner. Mm, I like how you put sorry, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some issues with the very right wing lyrics and Peter defended it saying that he was always raised to work. And to be fair, he had busted his ass since he was 16 doing manual labor jobs. I mean, not everyone has the ability to work. True.
2: I watched interviews of him talking about this, and I think he was getting at what a lot of people think of when uh, they hear about these programs. Um, He's going on about perfectly able-bodied and minded people taking advantage of the system and maybe didn't consider that it was really for people with disabilities. I feel like if somebody had said, look, this is what we're doing and actually showed him what was happening, he probably would have changed his mind because when I hear about those types of programs my mind immediately goes, well, now all these assholes are just going these freeloaders are going to take advantage of it when that's really right. not the case. They, they have systems in place to mm-hmm. prevent that from happening. It's not a hundred percent, but I think that's where his mind was. That's what he was seeing.
0: I mean, okay. So my, my thought about Peter Steele is that he's a guy from a blue collar family, which is commendable, but he never, saw things from anyone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. He never saw what it's like for this person or that person or whoever. And he's thinking everybody's coming at it from his level and they're not.
2: Yeah. And he, um, he was also very work minded too. Like you are saying, he was going he came to college from a good and family. Uh, uh, just working all the time.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Working he, at the metal he, he had, I mean, he might not have been, they might not have been the most wealthy family, But he came from a good, solid family that taught him work ethic, that like whatever. And he busted his ass. No discounting that. But he doesn't have any perspective or empathy for anybody else from any sort of situation that is different than his own. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't understand that people who are using government assistance maybe didn't come from his same spot. And that's why they're on it is because they need the help. And he didn't need the help. He could do it on his own. But he just didn't have, he seemed very closed minded on that Mm -hmm. front Mm -hmm. and very unaware of what other people might be going through.
2: Yeah, I I think you're right. It's like I said, that's where my mind goes when I think about that stuff. But then I have have to stop. I have to stop and think like, no, there's actually people. Yeah, because immediately it's not just all freeloaders.
0: Obviously, any single human being would be like, oh, I don't want to work and somebody else benefit from it while I'm busting my ass. Yeah. Any normal person would think that. But when you actually look at the people who are benefiting from you busting your ass, they're not just being lazy. They're not. Mm-hmm. They have their own set of struggles that they're dealing with. Yes. It's, it's not that it's not that black and white. It's not that simple. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, he explained that because he's a white man. He didn't get any extra points on his civil service exam for getting a job in the city. He says Quote, you get more points if you're not white Or if you're disabled, female, or served in the military So this motherfucker This motherfucker is six foot eight able-bodied male. Right. Yeah. And he's like, oh, women get more points than me. Yes. Like, yes, bitch, because you can lift shit. Um, so he said, blah, 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 blah. Some give him heat for his comments. They deemed him racist. And ableist. And some of his other beliefs include Darwinism views that the weak should die and the strong should prevail. He expressed these views for Cream magazine and they ended up not publishing it because it was just too inflammatory. It,
1: th- it was article on his character that would have made it bad. Not the magazine. It could can, can be an expose about him being a dick.
0: Yeah, I like, think he just doesn't like... I think he just didn't have enough life experience. I mean, look. This dude's like 22, 24 at this point. He doesn't know how dumb he is. Whatever. So, okay. <laughs> Richard Termini said of all of this, Peter expressed himself in simple, honest terms and got reactions. Peter found himself outing hate mongers mongers and enemies of free speech simply because he had a few thoughts and a few questions and was rude enough to ask them in public out loud yeah they're his opinions but he's misinformed exactly he just (laughs) he just doesn't know he just doesn't fucking know yeah and i feel like he's the kind of guy who if he had the chance to learn he would learn but he didn't know and he was just so vocal about his dumbass opinions.
2: Yeah, that's that's basically what I was trying to get at. Yeah. I, I feel like he like you just said, he would have been able to learn if you showed him the evidence and like this is what is actually happening. This yeah. is what's going on. I think he would have been receptive to it. Like,
0: here's your life, here's everyone else's <laughs> life. He'd be like, Oh shit. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well that's fine. Um it wouldn't be the first time though that Peter was the center of controversy. The next was when he wrote the song Jesus Hitler which I love, Um, which is about a man containing the souls of both people, Jesus and Hitler, inside of him. He asked the new guitarist for their band to shave his mustache like Hitler on stage, and the dude ended up quitting because he was like, look, that's just too far. This is a publicity stunt. I mean, yeah, at that point, he's
1: jeopardizing the whole band's career because he just wants to do what makes him happy he's not thinking of everyone else he shouldn't just be thinking about himself yes and so
0: when that guy was like you know what that's too far i'm not doing it peter gained a new respect for him and he mark Piovanetti. he let him stay in the band um and it actually changed peter's viewpoint so mark ended up sticking around
2: yeah that's why i don't think he's too unreasonable you know he's gotta
0: yes i think he's a person who needs to have a discussion with somebody yeah and once he has the discussion he's like oh okay i'm stupid (laughs) so anyways at this time peter was (laughs) (laughs) at this time peter was working two jobs he was managing the band with practice four nights a week which is a lot for one band Mm -hmm. uh the group nearly got dropped from their label but they put out another album called retaliation Peter seemed to be growing increasingly depressed and angry, and he sought out professional help in 1985. Good. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. Normalize therapy! Go to therapy! He was prescribed Prozac after feeling suicidal, and while it didn't make him happy, it did keep him from feeling sad.
2: So again, if you're like me and don't know what this drug does... Uh, here's what I found out on drugs.com. Drugs. Sponsor, yes. drugs. sponsor
0: Jake. Drugs.com. <laughs> sponsor Jake. Uh,
2: Prozac <laughs> is used to treat major depressive disorder, bulimia nervosa, which is an eating disorder, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorder, and premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And wow, I don't, you probably don't have that think one. I've huh. never had that before. Okay. Wait, wow. That sounds stupid. Never had I, don't
1: that. That. I don't think that you've had, it. You I don't have think, had yeah. it. dysphoric disorder.
0: When? Maybe
2: I have had it. Don't Prob- think I've never.
0: When 1987 rolled around, Peter had become totally disillusioned with the band on the brink of splitting and his relationship nearing divorce.
2: I bet a pint of uh, some Cherry Garcia would have cheered him <laughs> up. Came out in the same year.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> probably. That probably wouldn't have done the trick. Um, in July of 1987, Peter started working with the new york city parks and rec department he was driving a dump truck and taking care of the pools and the parks in the city he loved that job and he got great pay and great benefits
2: he did say it was some of his happiest days working at that job that
0: wasn't the prozac no 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 no, no. prozac doesn't make you happy it just makes you numb um and this was something that kept him going but his world was getting smaller and smaller He was still living in his parents' basement. With his wife? Yes. So carnivore broke up in 1989. That same year, Peter started dating a woman named Patrice Mack that he'd met at a carnivore show previously.
1: I guess that divorce went through. Yes.
0: This girl also was obsessed with Peter. He seemed tough, but she thought he was a sweetheart on the inside. She loved how he uh talk the talk and walk the walk. He helped everyone when they needed anything without thinking twice. He was like a gentle giant despite what his music sounded like.
2: Uh I totally see that. Metalheads aren't all violent and disruptive They're uh, not or whatever. At all, and yeah. Ever. It's an outlet like any other type of music. We're normal people and usually very friendly and kind at least in my experience. And I think that a lot of people would agree like you just did. Yeah, we were generally misunderstood people. Because it's metal, and a lot of people don't understand metal.
0: Okay. So, I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie's one of them. However, she's still doing this podcast. Someone in the book Ooh. compared um, Peter Steele to the Frankenstein movie where the monster wants to play with the kid, but the kid is just scared of him. He couldn't take it anymore. And on October 15, 1989, Peter attempted suicide. He and Patrice had been fighting, and he came to her mom's house. He cut all of his hairs off. All <laughs> All of them
1: <laughs> <laughs> eyebrows oh individually.
2: Eyelashes one by one.
0: He cut oh arm God. hair, what leg hair. A, what a way to like ruin the moment. He couldn't take <laughs> it.
1: No, no, we ain't gonna he take it. Take it.
0: Okay. <laughs> he couldn't take it anymore. And on October fifteenth, nineteen eighty nine, Peter attempted suicide. He and Patrice had been fighting, and he came to her mom's house, and he had cut all of his hair off. And he had his wrists slit and he wrote, I love you on her car with his own blood. And um, Patrice wasn't home at this time. So her mom called her and was like, yo. And Patrice was like, don't call the cops, please. You know, Peter was a mama's boy. So instead Patrice's mom called Peter's mom. And uh, Patrice said that no woman could ever fill Peter's mother's shoes. He knew that, which is why, you know, all of his relationships ended so poorly. Peter was struggling with depression, insecurity, disappointment, and he did not have a band anymore. So he was still writing. He picked up jamming again in what would go on to become his band, Tabo Negative. They started recording tracks. They were messing with names. They first settled on Repulsion while they recorded None More Negative. Peter's lyrics centered on hatred and jealousy. It was it was really negative as fuck. He wrote a thirteen minute song about a cheating girlfriend that was very aggressive. It was the
1: girl and her weed, wasn't it?
0: But it was not necessarily a true song for him, um, and it was branded very misogynistic afterwards. Gross. Yeah, Peter defended himself, saying, "If I just wrote about my own experiences in everyday life and didn't exaggerate them, it would be very boring." I bet. I don't hate women. I love them. That's the problem. There are a lot of layered uh, there are lots of layered sound effects on the album which were all made organically with tools in the studio rather than effect tracks. In concert, the jackhammers and chains kind of confused the viewers were they on stage yeah they were like bringing the shit out they were like and they were like what the fuck is going on right now they're like it's part of the song." uh,
2: professional jackhammer players on stage
0: (laughs) 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 sounds like slipknot honestly (laughs) so word got out that repulsion was unsigned but since peter had unfulfilled obligations with his roadrunner contract from carnivore roadrunner decided to keep him so the label accepted his album, but they had him change the name. He had decided on Sub Zero, and then he got a tattoo of a minus sign with a circle around it to commemorate that Sub Zero. And then uh, Peter heard a request on the radio for Type O Negative Blood. That's our name. Type O Negative. Uh, luckily, it still matches his tattoo.
2: Yeah, and again, with both of those uh, previous names, again, ran into trouble uh, with other bands already using them. Really? Typo Negative? Not Typo Negative, but the... Uh, Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero, yeah. He seemed to have a problem coming up with names that people were already using.
1: When you say that there was a request... On the radio for type O negative blood, where they they wanted a blood drive, right? They weren't asking. Yeah, for
2: a um, song. yeah. O, o negative is compatible with everything. everything.
0: Peter allegedly signed the updated record deal with Roadrunner in blood and semen. Cute, gross. They loved the publicity stunt though. one of their employees saw that he had cut himself and used real blood so they assumed that the bag of jizz that he used to sign it was legit too i mean before i leave
1: the house i always check for the bag of semen i use for signatures and the like pens are so <laughs> 1998.
2: Uh, that's what i use to refill my quill pen it's really convenient <laughs> and if i run out i could just make more on the on the spot stop <laughs> <laughs> so- While that sounds really metal, uh, their guitarist, Kenny Hickey, says Peter actually used swab conditioner, Hershey's chocolate syrup, and red food dye.
0: Wow. Wait,
1: but that said one of the employees saw he cut himself and used real blood. Ah, So then
0: (laughs) they renamed none more negative to slow, semicolon, deep and hard.
1: Both of them are stupid.
0: Typo were obligated to go on tour after this, and they went across the U.S. with biohazard and exploited, much to Peter's disdain. He didn't like to be on stage, so he started drinking. Understandable, I guess. It helped him loosen up and pretend that he was a big, tough guy when he w- really wasn't.
2: So with with, his, with him drinking on stage, he set his record for one single show, because he liked. he was a wine drinker. He drank... 12 bottles of wine. What? Four before the show, four during the show, and four after the show. And he was still standing.
1: He was bottles? like that guy that was walking bottles, down the like, street just like, now.
2: Like uh, whatever size wine <laughs> normally comes in.
1: <laughs> we Before we started recording this podcast today, there was a man walking down the street Holding a w- He was wearing like cut off shorts and a tank top and flip flops and he had a full ass wine glass and he was walking down the street drinking this wine from the goblet portion while it had a stem.
0: <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do though.
1: I know but he looked really silly in like athletic wear and walking down the road with it on. It's fine.
0: The tour was terrible. Half of the time they get shit thrown at them. And then the other half exploited just canceled without explanation. Apparently the main guy from that group was like real shit. So mm. they returned home before even being gone three weeks. They were just like That's up That's a short tour. They yeah. left. They left oh, halfway okay. through because exploited kept canceling yeah, yeah. every other day. So um, next, they tried a European tour. Many artists refused to play with Peter Steele because of his lyrics. Fair. There were threats of riots. Type O started to become banned for not only for their music, but for threats of violence and fighting, which reminds me of the plasmatics. Um, People put posters up that said, kill this guy with Peter's face on them. Well,
1: that's not nice. Good grief
0: yeah that's a bit extreme i get that the lyrics are controversial but like literally what metal bands are not
2: disturbed (laughs) okay (coughs) wow that's
0: beautiful (laughs) it's Um, part of the song (laughs) when you look at like slayer or Cannibal corpse or whatever they're all just talking about the most offensive and disgusting shit ever. Mm-hmm. Like, have you heard of Pig Destroyer? It's really just to be contrary and to get a reaction and to piss people off. I think that people were taking their music a little bit too seriously. Josh Silver, who was in the band, told a German newspaper that typo negative was more popular in Germany than Adolf Hitler, which is obviously a throwback to John Lennon saying, oh, the Beatles are more popular than Jesus or whatever. They get it again some people don't have that
1: particular sense of humor and that's okay but it's not a reason to bomb threat anybody
0: yeah I think everyone was just um, looking at these guys like they had more power than they did yeah they're just being assholes they're yeah. just being little shits end of story yeah. like
2: stop. yeah they're getting a reaction out of you and that's
0: they're trying to piss what you off yep. that's what they're doing they're trying to piss working. you off are you pissed off yes okay then mission hmm. accomplished
2: yeah also Germany doesn't teach about Hitler and Nazis like we think. Um, He's not a popular figure anyways, and they certainly don't glorify what he did. Uh, And for anyone interested in that, uh, look up a channel called Today I Found Out on YouTube and their video, How Do German Schools Teach About World War II? Lots of good information. I do believe they also have another video on how Japan teaches about World War II.
0: Everyone wanted an interview with them, so they took another page out of the Beatles' book and just trolled the press. Until they were all like laughing at them. Basically they made anything that the press um said bogus because they just give different answers to all of their questions. It's like we talked about a couple of times. I think Daniel
1: Radcliffe was yeah. wearing the same outfit for like weeks so that the paparazzi couldn't get new pictures of him
0: yeah so peter said of all of this the person that writes these songs is a very small side of me that's the angry side i've got 95 percent more besides that i'm a semi-decent human being at times people should realize that it's an act i don't like performing i don't like being up on stage songs are therapy for me
2: I, I get it. It's very re- uh, relatable for me. So, I understand him.
0: Yeah. All of the bad press resulted in way more record sales than expected. So Roadrunner gave them money for a new album, which became The Origin of Feces in 1992. Uh. This one was basically a live album redo of Slow, Deep, and Hard. They recorded it at Josh's house, though, and added in all of the sound effects to make it seem live. Ah, and if you were wondering what Peter Steele's asshole looks like, check out the cover art. I wasn't, but thank you. Did you look at it? No. Did I, you look at it? I might have Jake.
2: accidentally seen it on purpose, and then realized that the cover—that's of- his
0: giant asshole
2: yeah after i saw that i realized what the cover of slowly deep uh, and hard is
0: <laughs> so the book that i downloaded had gl- like a glitch where all of the pictures were like the same picture for 20 pages <laughs> so for 20 fucking pages i was like hitting next and all of the pictures were his asshole <laughs> and then after i got past the 20 pages the picture would flip to like him standing in his backyard and it was that same picture for 20 pages but for 20 pages i looked at peter Steele's asshole sure um, nice right anyways um yeah it took two years for the artwork for that album to be pulled and replaced i don't know why so typos the third album remained a mystery even to the band until it was nearly finished peter had gone in a completely unexpected direction artistically this was 1993's bloody kisses
1: sounds like a teen vampire
0: romance novel so this album was much more gentle and pop influenced Mm. even his attitude changed as he grew up and matured he even apologized for the inflammatory shit he had said in europe on bloody kisses you'll hear a cover of summer breeze jake mentioned a couple weeks ago Initially, the band had replaced the lyrics with some pretty vile ones for fun, but they weren't allowed to release that version. So they ended up doing the original version of Summer Breeze by Seals and Crofts as a joke, which was fun because, you know, they're depressed and angry and hearing them cover this hippy dippy song with, you know, it's like the last thing that you would expect. Reviews of the album were generally positive. Peter had replaced Rage with Six and Six Always Seals. Radio picked up the songs Christian Woman and Black Number One.
2: Uh, the song Bloody Kisses was actually about his cat Venus, who lived to be about 17 years old. Uh, here's a quote from him uh, No one wants to hear a guy who's six foot eight with long black hair and fangs crying about his fucking cat. I do. So <laughs> I made it extremely uh, <laughs> metaphorical.
0: Fans would call his mom's house, including Phil Anselmo of Pantera. So, uh, he also got some of the crazy type stalkers that would try to get clippings of his hair. Sure, for cloning.
2: I'd be concerned about uh, how Phil Salmo got a hold of my phone number. Wasn't
0: he the crazy one? <laughs> Respect! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What are you say? Nailed it. Um, seemingly overnight, Peter Steele went from one of the most hated men in music to the hot goth number one babe. Um, so with the success of the album, the band had to now tour and make music videos. Mm-hmm. The video for Black Number One was shot in Central Park with no permits in the middle of the night. They gathered, like, a shitload of people. They had instruments. They went out at 3 a.m. They shot themselves a video, and they had no
1: issues. I mean, New York is the city that never sleeps, so this checks out.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'm just surprised that, like, nobody was like, hey, what the fuck are y'all doing?
1: Acting like vampires? Are you going to run to a goth vampire in the middle of New York at 3 a.m.? No, you're going to leave them the hell alone.
0: Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I've never been there. I don't plan to. So (laughs) they got the opportunity to open for Nine Inch Nails and Motley Crue and Danzig, which made... Certain band members, really happy. But Peter, he just didn't want to be the center of attention. He wanted to go back to his parks job. He needed structure and order. And unfortunately, life as a musician isn't always full of that. You know, it's chaotic as shit. So Peter did eventually decide... To go full time with Typo Negative, but at this time another woman entered his life Elizabeth! Peter's last relationship had obviously ended very poorly when he nearly killed himself by slitting his wrists in her mom's fucking driveway. So he was initially resistant to Liz. After a couple of years of her pursuing him, he finally gave her a chance. Um, after the success of this last album, Peter had a—he was a full-fledged sex symbol. He appeared in Playgirl magazine alongside other musicians slash Danzig, the Beastie Boys, and of course Hootie and the Blowfish. Hootie,
1: wait, <laughs> uh, what, was it Darius? Was it him?
0: I don't know. Or was it
1: the entire band, I'm Hootie not, and his Blowfish?
0: And they're blowing... <laughs> okay, I don't know. I didn't I didn't want to look. Okay. Uh, honestly, the only person I'd be curious to see is Slash. Uh, Peter was the <laughs> only one that showed his dong in Playgirl. He was the cover model with the tagline, Type O negatives, naked Peter Steele gets rock hard for you. And he straight up whipped his dick out. I mean, his asshole was already on the previous album cover, so I guess I'm not very surprised.
2: Uh, Funny story, he said he stayed hard for the entire photo shoot because flaccid junk looks just like an old mushroom. (laughs) So he held it up for like a 12-hour photo shoot.
0: He didn't really realize that a lot of the people who buy Playgirl are gay dudes. But later he wrote a song called I Like Goyles, G-O-I-L-S, a.k.a. girls, um, containing the line i'm quite flattered that you think I'm cute but I don't deal well with compacted poop
2: so he <laughs> he was aware that gay people were like he was a thing within the gay community but he seemed like he was totally okay with it he just made he made it clear that he wasn't gay but if that's what you like fine and he had i don't think he had any problem with them buying up the magazine and looking
1: In 1995, still being a male sex symbol in the heavy music world, Peter was actually interviewed on an episode of Jerry Springer. This was right around the time that Peter posed for Playgirl magazine and the band was pretty much at the height of their career. Jerry had asked Steele if he... Springer. Jerry Springer. We're on a first name basis here. Get with it. (laughs) Jerry had asked Steele if he was regularly faced with women throwing themselves at him and Peter said it wasn't just women that, that men would do it too. Peter went on to say, well, it's odd to me because this is my job. I'm not here to have a good time. I'm here to pay my phone bill and pay the rent. He went on adding, if they want to throw themselves at me, well, that's their business. (laughs) Jerry went on to ask Peter if he had sex with any of the women who do approach him. And his response was, my mother is going to be watching this. So I have to watch what I say. But then he went on to tell the host the wildest thing that has ever happened to him was a, or this is a direct quote, I had a young lady come to my house on Christmas Eve dressed in nothing but red high heels and a Santa Claus cap, stark naked outside of my house. I was not home, but she asked for me and my mother said, well, Peter's not home, so you're going to catch pneumonia. Oh
0: my God. Mm -hmm. Peter later
1: stated that these types of encounters he had with women couldn't lead to a relationship because if she'll throw herself at me, she'll throw herself at anybody.
2: Uh, Another fun side note. uh, While Weird Al didn't parody Typo Negative, (laughs) he did parody Bare Naked Ladies' song one week. (laughs) One week, which he titled Jerry Springer, and it's about watching the TV show and all of the crazy guests that were on it. In
0: 1995, Typo was invited to tour with Pantera by none other than Phil Mm -hmm. Anselmo. What? The bands, you know, they don't go together. No. At all. But Phil was obsessed. On the tour, Peter's dad was on his deathbed. Um, So Peter left the tour to be by his dad's side, who finally, for the first time, said, I love you. Along with take care of your mother as he died. I hope he
1: was still seeing the therapist at this point because that's a lot to unpack.
0: Yeah. So Peter fell deeply into grief. And this was reflected on Typo's next album, October Rust. The album was a bit underwhelming to the label, producing no hits and not really getting much press. Despite this, it still went gold And was still a huge sonic achievement for the band. Josh says of this album, there are some songs that make my balls become ovaries. But that's a thing. I can deal with my balls becoming ovaries as long as there's some good stuff in between. After all, Josh had gotten engaged and Peter was deeply in love with Elizabeth.
1: Elizabeth. Uh,
0: After the success of two great albums, Peter was a legit rock star. A title that he fucking hated. Wow. But it didn't really matter what he felt. He was literally a giant. So all eyes were on him, even if he wasn't famous. Like, he could walk into a place and people would still be staring at him. So might as well be famous. Well, he was like 6'3", right? 6'8". So dealing with his anxiety and depression meant resorting to various things on the road, including vodka, wine, and even cocaine, even though um, he hated dreggies.
1: I mean, it wasn't weed, so he wasn't cheating.
0: Right. (laughs) Not many people knew about the cocaine addiction at first, and frankly, it didn't make much sense because he was anxious. And cocaine keeps you wired, but booze put him in a fog and he was like kind of a control freak so
1: kind of the
0: wire part like (laughs) makes a little bit of sense because at least he was hyper focused on what was going on the late 90s were a whirlwind of babes
1: where'd elizabeth go he was madly in love with her three paragraphs ago
0: he is in love with her he's fucking everybody else Uh. booze cocaine death tours and fighting with his girlfriend which Uh. led to typos next album being their darkest yet It took Peter a minute to get his creative juices flowing, so the label sent him off to Iceland for World Coming Down, (laughs) which came out in 1999. This one turned away from sex and onto death, drugs, and depression. Honest topics. Typo was getting less label attention after Roadrunner signed Slipknot and Nickelback, and um, their album didn't perform that great commercially. Peter's mother's health began to fail in the early 2000s and his family and friends recall him slipping into psychotic episodes of paranoia and delusion. As we've mentioned before, drugs aren't good for people who are suffering from mental illness. Right. He suffer. Er, he never liked touring. So he partied. And then at home, he sunk into boredom and depression. Peter's family and bandmates tried to intervene to get him some help. But now even off the road, he was popping pills. He was doing coke and he was drinking regularly. In rehab, he was more interested in writing new music than in sobering up. Um, And then the music that he wrote would become 2003's Life is Killing Me. The success tour and the rap of this album came and went pretty quickly. And once more, Peter found himself bored and depressed at home. He was snorting Coke in his parents' basement, which, yes, he still lived in despite being rich. Mm. He basically became a recluse while his sisters once more tried to get him into rehab. There was another tour in the works, but Peter had an illness, a heart defect, likely brought on by his cocaine use.
2: He also may have had a congenital heart problem, and I think the the drug use just exacerbated the issue, because he says that he had always felt flutters in his heart, like, growing up and everything, so. He was
0: admitted to the hospital for 10 days, and at the end, one of Elizabeth's friends returned the engagement ring that he had given her years earlier. After this, he went home. Um, He found that his house had been ransacked. Money and possessions were gone. And he assumed that it was Liz and her boyfriend. Mm. Because, well, all this shit had just happened. So he basically just flew off the handle. He began drinking. Peter stormed over to their place. He found Liz's boyfriend. He beat the shit out of him. And then he walked out and he sat on the curb. Just waiting for the cops to show up so he could be arrested. Turns out that the guy was Liz's husband, not her boyfriend. Wow. That Christmas, he went to his sister's house on probation. And he was completely fucked up. Peter started causing a scene in the street. The cops were called. Um, They ended up dropping him off at a psych ward and... They had to, um, he had to sit at Rikers. Isn't near, it Rikers Island or something? Yeah, like that? yeah. It's so it was like an island jail. So he had to sit at Rikers for a month in January of two thousand five. Peter's life at this point kept was kept largely under wraps. So fans, they were like, "Oh shit, he's missing!" And typo negative announced that peter was dead on friday may 13th what 2005 did they think he was actually dead or no they were just they being... were just playing into this thing everyone was like where's peter and it was friday the 13th and the band uh, was like they were like Peter deal whatever date to 2005 and they just put a funny. thing on their website yeah it's never funny because that person always fucking dies afterwards yeah yeah so they left that up for five months saying that Peter Steele died on uh, May 13th, 2005. But during that time, Peter's mother actually passed away. Peter reconnected with his former girlfriend, Marty, and a new woman, Lisa, for support. So um, he needed both rehab and grief counseling. Yeah. Luckily, Peter began to stabilize Throughout the mid-2000s and by 2007, Type O had signed with a new label and they were working on new material. But this time, Peter was a born-again Catholic. The material created went um, on to be the album Dead Again. So Peter attempted to atone for his sins. He was writing songs about how awful cocaine was. Uh, He was donating money to charity and he was even going to confession. He does sound delusional still, though. Saying, I have been told I'm the prophet of doom. I know the date and the end of the world. There are three others like me. Red flags. I wonder if
2: he was still just messing with people. Because in all of his interviews, he's like super sarcastic and just jokes left and right. And I wonder if he's just fucking with people still.
0: That's a good point. Still, the group went on tour again and he was settling with Lisa quite nicely by 2008. All the while... Still slipping up with booze and coke, then his family tried to sell the house. Like, he was still living in his parents' basement. He had blown all of his money on coke equipment and then simply let other people spend all of his shit. And um, this was rock bottom for him. He ended up relocating to the remote Dingman's Ferry in Pennsylvania with his addiction counselor, who was named Pamela Ann. So finally, Peter was able to kick his habits in rehab successfully, but he was now without direction, and he just wanted a 9-to-5 job again. Typo did manage to put together a small tour at the end of 2009, but his oldest sister, she passed away. Um, so Peter leaned further into the Catholic Church. This inspired him to begin work on what he hoped would be a new to a Type O album, Double Crossed. Plans were put in motion, but suddenly on April 14th, 2010, Peter still died. Just a few days prior, um, on April 10th, Peter had traveled to Staten Island. He signed the lease on a new apartment. Things were finally looking up, but first he had to travel back to Pennsylvania to take care of his cats. Peter had particularly focused on his cat Tito. Tito had cancer. On April 12th, Peter fell ill. Himself with what he believed to be food poisoning. So he called Pamela Ann. He told her that um, he wasn't throwing up, but he had stomach pains and gas. So she brought him some supplies. She left him alone. Uh, His condition remained the same until April 13th. Wednesday the 14th, Peter called Pamela super early in the morning, which was very unusual. He'd been up all night throwing up. His cat was doing poorly too. He wanted Tito to be taken to the vet and Pamela went to do so. She wrapped... She, this was so sad. She wrapped the cat up in a blanket and as soon as she wrapped him up, Tito died. Uh, yeah. So it, the cat had a seizure and just died right there in her arms. And so yeah, Peter broke that's down. Yeah, no fun. Yeah, it was fucked up. So then um, he, the whole time he was worried about the cat and she was like, okay, but the, you know, the cat... Thing sucks, but like what about you? Are you okay? Peter broke down after the cat died. Pamela was more concerned about Peter's health, but he brushed it off. He refused a trip to the doctor. Um he asked Pamela to run to the store, get him some ice and ginger ale. Um he thought he was just dehydrated. So after she returned, she saw him and he was totally gray. She called nine one one. Finally. And um, when the ambulance arrived, Peter stood up and his abdomen like bulged. Ooh. And she thinks that this is when Peter's colon burst. Um, by the time that they had gotten him to the hospital, he was dead at 48 years old.
2: God, so his guts just literally popped inside of him.
0: So Peter's sisters, they blamed Pam for his death. Because she technically was like his caretaker. She was supposed to be looking after him. But she didn't notify his family at all that he was ill until after he had died. I mean she had
1: such little time in between all this happening, that's kind of like an unfair assumption for them.
0: Are you supposed to call them every time that he feels iffy? Bad. Right. Because he didn't he wasn't concerned about it and he wasn't being a baby about it. So like why? There's nothing she could have done, honestly. It was first suspected that he died of a ruptured aortic aneurysm, which would be a heart issue. But later they found out that he had sepsis. Uh, Peter's internal organs were necrotic from a perforated bowel. Apparently, Peter had Meckel's diverticulum, a malformation of the gastrointestinal tract. The book states, Peter's intestines had pockets that became badly... Infected in the days prior to his death, likely from a foreign object as seemingly unthreatening as a seed. Mm. His abdominal pain was a result of this inflammation aggravated by hypovolemia, which is a decrease of volume of fluid within the body, which eventually collapses the veins and arteries, leading to eventual shutdown of all the vital organs if he had gone to the doctor right off the bat, he would have been saved. But what are the chances that you would go to the doctor if you thought you just had food poisoning? I wouldn't do I it. i just
2: deal with it and suffer. And...
0: After his death, the members of Type O were asked if they would continue on. And they obviously said even if there was someone who could replace Peter Steele, they still would not do it. And in a fitting tribute in 2011, an oak tree was planted to honor Peter Steele's life and love of nature in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Then a group of fans purchased a bench to place near it with a dedication to Peter. That is the story of Peter Steele.
2: Yeah. Uh, I have a little fun fact. I didn't really know where to put it in the episode, but we were talking about it at the beginning. Um, Most of you metal heads out there are probably aware of the Cartoon Network's uh, Adult Swim show, Metalocalypse, featuring Death Clock, the world's most brutal death metal band. And uh, yeah, Dr. Roxo. Uh, the singer Nathan Explosion is based on a mix of Peter Steele and Corpse Grinder of Cannibal Corpse. Uh, you can definitely see tall, long yeah. black hair, buff. You know, it's definitely heavily based off of Peter Steele. Yeah. L- at least his looks are. It's it's a really fun show for anybody that's interested, especially if you're a metalhead. They just <laughs> kind of awesome. they poke fun at everything, metal and metalhead, you know. It's, it's a, great a great show. Go show. check it out.
0: Okay, well, thank you guys for listening. Um, We'll put out some more episodes eventually. And I think our next one's going to be on Paul McCartney. Is he dead? Is he not? Is he an imposter?
1: I don't want to give any spoilers.
0: You'll just have to listen next Wednesday. Thank you Uh, and goodbye.
1: Rest in peace. Bye.
2: Later.